This is the California Liberty Project Podcast. So welcome back to the California Liberty Project Podcast once again. I'm very glad that you've joined us this weekend. My name is Greg. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at California Liberty Project and also on Twitter. And thank you once again. I've got a great guest this weekend. You're going to be really thrilled and interested to hear from her. She's been very busy uh, fighting the good fight. And we're going to be joined in a few minutes by Sonia Shaw from Chino Valley Unified School District, currently the president of that Uh, school district down there on that board. And she's been doing a lot down there. They've been a real leader across the state in terms of the parental rights movement. And we had a great conversation. So you're really going to enjoy this. Um, Listen to the whole episode. It was great to get some of her time. Um, Sonia has been very highly sought after, especially with all of the success that they've had with the leadership that they've shown down there, fighting for liberty, fighting for parental rights, and fighting against the state state ownership and control of your children, um, with the state thinking that they can come down from Sacramento to any of our local school districts, swoop in and tell us exactly what to do, how to run our schools, and what to teach children, and how to handle children in schools. So uh, Sonia and also Chino Valley have been a real leader, and we're going to talk about some of the other um, things that are going on in and around not only Chino Valley, but around the state. Lots of other good things happening. But very quickly, before we get to that, a few quick updates. Um, today is actually Friday. So last night down in Orange, there was another rowdy um, school board meeting uh, at the Orange Unified School District, OUSD. And I say another because we've seen several of these happen in the past three to four weeks up and down the state, um, several in Southern California and Inland Empire and whatnot. And last night was very interesting because there were a lot of people that showed up for this school district meeting down in Orange, and they were going to be talking once again about the parental notification policy. So Chino Valley, again, has been a real leader in that movement. And now we're seeing school districts up and down the state beginning to adopt the same or a very similar policy. Now, as you remember in Chino Valley, and I'm going to talk to Sonia about this in just a few minutes, but remember, they were one of the first to enact this parental notification policy as far as if a child is considering themselves a different gender, himself or herself, a different gender. So if they're expressing a different gender identity to teachers or counselors mysteriously at school, um, or if they change their name or are using different pronouns, if something like that is going on, these parental notification policies are now stating that all schools within a given district need to notify the parents that there's something going on with their, their children, um, socially, psychologically, emotionally, um, just the same way that uh, we've all been taught, you know, the old cliche, you have to get the parent's permission to give a child an aspirin or an ibuprofen or a Band-Aid, practically, in a similar vein, but with something that's obviously much more important to the child's social and emotional health. Um, now, basically, these, these school districts are saying, no, we have to notify the parents. We have to let them know that their child is going through something or that their child is being uh, convinced to change their gender or is expressing a different, quote, gender identity, or 
Worst case scenario is actually being groomed and is being told that this is something that you should consider. And the idea is planted in their mind um, at a very young age. Of course, this is something where the parents need to be involved because parents have much more of a vested interest in loving and caring for their children than the state does. That's why these battles are so important. And the idea that parents don't get to know what's going on with their their children. That's why this is so insidious, because the state wants that control of your children. Whether or not they're thinking about it in terms of the state, capital S, they are thinking about teachers' unions, um, these, these big school districts. They're thinking about them having direct access to your kids. They want the power. They don't even want to deal with the middleman, the parents. All they want are the tax dollars. They want the funds coming from the parents. But they don't want to have to mess around with asking permission or parents getting in the way with their personal beliefs, saying, don't teach my, child, my children about uh, whatever it might be, gender identity or degenerate sexual practices or whatever it is. States, teachers, unions, some teachers don't even want the parents to be in the equation. That's no longer ex- acceptable. Um, school districts around the state are obviously standing up against it. Chino Valley, uh, Temecula, Murrieta, um, and I think just yesterday or the day before, also Rockland up north, uh, closer to Sacramento, and hopefully some others. Week to week, there need to be dozens. There need to be hundreds of school districts that are taking a stand and saying, we're taking matters into our own hands. We don't care about superintendent of public instruction or education uh, Thurmond. We don't care what Bonta, you know, the state's attorney general, Rob Bonta. We don't care what they're threatening. We don't care that they're trying to intimidate us. We're not going to be intimidated. We're not going to be told to back off, to shut up and sit down. We run our local school districts. And there actually is a great deal of autonomy here in the state of California with local unified school districts versus just taking orders directly from Sacramento. Now, make no mistake about it, Sacramento Um, is pushing through these lawsuits, specifically and notoriously against Chino Valley. Uh, They just received, I guess, a stay from a certain judge. In other words, Chino Valley was not supposed to implement their parental notification policy while the stay is in effect over the next, I guess, four or five weeks until there's actually the court proceedings taking place. And those court proceedings, of course, are Rob Bonta and the state essentially suing Chino Valley USD. Um, and trying to get them to stop this parental notification policy. Basically, they want to override it. And local districts are standing up, taking power back and saying, no, we never gave that power away. So we don't even really have to take the power back. What we need is a show of unity. We need a show of strength to basically say, you're going to have to sue every one of us. Every school district up and down this state, dozens, hundreds of us, Good luck, Sacramento, because you're not going to have a chance to sue us all. You can't control us all. The horse has kind of already left the barn on this. And I'm really, really um, enthusiastically heartened to see what's going on around the state, that people are taking power back and they're saying, no, we are going to control our local curriculum and what goes on in our school districts. So one example of Sacramento attempting to take control back from our local school districts is AB 1078, an awful bill authored by, I guess, Corey Jackson, Assemblyman Corey Jackson, I think from somewhere out in the Inland Empire. And essentially with AB 1078, this pertains to what boils down to 
a state takeover of local curriculum decisions, basically, to boil it down. Um, so if locally you don't think that Harvey Milk, just some random San Francisco County supervisor from the 70s, if you don't think that your kids need to learn about Harvey Milk as a hero or whatever it is, a civil rights icon, um, and if, say you didn't want to teach your kids locally about Harvey Milk or whatever it may be, if you wanted some control over what goes into your curriculum, you can't have that. The state's going to override uh, the curriculum and put out curricular decisions and edicts, fiats from Sacramento. And that's kind of boiling it down. That's largely what AB 1078 is about. Um, there are some other nuances in there, certainly. But um, unfortunately, this bill passed the Senate. It did um, pass the Assembly. I'm not sure if there were amendments to it. But uh, AB 1078, an awful bill, is headed to Gavin Newsom now. Um, and the question is, is he going to sign it, as we all suspect and worry, or is there going to be one of these weird wild card flips where Gavin Newsom is trying to make some kind of political calculation or, or Clintonian triangulation? We will see on, on that. But basically, aside from AB 1078, I think going beyond it or just ignoring AB 1078 with whatever happens going into next year, I do think that more California school districts, especially in more independent-leaning or Republican-leaning areas of the state, inland areas of the state, I think that more school districts need to basically implement policies limiting what government schools, what public school teachers can teach kids and counselors, what they can, what they can teach um, or, or guide kids on. Um, I think we really need to put the handcuffs on the state. So I'm all for laws that limit state government and that limit uh, state or public employees. I'm all for that. I'm not for laws that limit what parents can do or what individual citizens here in California can do. And that's my general guiding principle. So I'm all for any kind of new policy or even law that does limit um, what the state can do. And I don't think that the state should be able to teach, say, any elementary school children about gender identity or any kind of uh, sexual instruction, certainly from fifth grade, fourth grade on down. This would be similar to um, maybe a law or a policy that was passed notoriously or infamously in Florida. And I think, I think more and more California school districts should look into passing something like that. Again, for local control. Where do we as citizens where do we exert most of our political power? It's locally, where you can actually go to a school board meeting or go down to the school district or talk to your city councilman. Locally, that's where you can go and have your voice heard. You can make an impact. And it's easier to run for those positions and get elected to those positions. Um, so I'd like to see a lot more disobedience going on in local school districts, a lot more, um, you know, just essentially ignoring Sacramento edicts. And then we're going to watch what Sacramento has to do to basically, uh, I, I don't want to say put the horses back in the barn, but to keep control. Um, it, it's really important that we maintain that local control um, over curriculum and over what's, what's happening with our children and how they're being counseled and what they're being taught. So additionally, in the bad bills update, um, that was bad news about AB 1078. There's also AB 665, which is a bill essentially allowing minors to consent to counseling and treatment 
um, at school and in, in school district facilities uh, when there's not like some kind of emergency situation happening. It just basically, it, it liberalizes government and school district uh, access to your children, to their um, you know, social, social, mental, psychological health and counseling sessions. It, it basically says, oh, you know, this, this minor can consent. It's more of the same. Um, you know, it's, it's the typical kind of Scott Wiener stuff. Um, and actually, I don't know who it was in the assembly who authored this. I forget offhand. But um, anyway, AB665, a bad bill. Um, it looks like I believe it's about to pass out or pass from the assembly um, with amendments from the Senate. That's my current understanding. I think this one's going to be headed to Newsom's desk for a signature. Um, and that's another one that we're going to have to root against. There's also AB 957, I think co-sponsored by uh, Wilson and also Senator Weiner. Um, that did pass from the Senate, and I believe that one is also, I believe it's coming out of the Assembly um, with some of the amendments. Um, it's about to pass out of the Assembly if it hasn't already. And again, I believe that one is, is also going to be headed to Newsom's desk. So some of these bills are coming at us. They're dangerous. Um, they're, they're really bad bills. You know, AB 957, we talked about it before. But again, this is a really dangerous bill. I think Jennifer Kennedy and I spoke about this one quite a bit. Um, remember, this is the one where in parental custody battles, like in a divorce or some kind of proceeding like that, essentially, if there's confusion on the, on the child's gender identity or if the child is trans or whatever, essentially, it's going to be giving the... Uh, giving the advantage to the parent who uh, validates or affirms, you know, in scare quotes, who, who affirms the child's gender, gender identity. And which gender identity do you think it is that, um, that always gets the nod, that always gets the favor favoriting? Of course, it's the so-called gender identity that is opposite of the, the child's biological sex. They're going to get the, um, the hat tip. They're going to get the, um, the favoritism in terms of these custody proceedings. Um, they'll be the preferred party, um, whichever parent validates uh, the child's um, gender identity selection or whatever. So very, very dangerous. Essentially, it turns into like state kidnapping or the state allowing one parent to just play a trump card over the other, um, you know, in a, in, in a custody battle where this could definitely turn into something that is uh, a bad faith move. So very scary stuff. AB 957, I'm worried that that's going to be headed to the governor's desk like ASAP. Could be next week, I think. Um, at any rate, make sure to stay engaged. Um, do call the governor's offices um, in Sacramento, and the governor has some other offices. There are all kinds of, of really, good, um, really good materials and resources online tons all over social media, but grab those or Google those numbers and, and give the governor a call. Do what you can. I mean, maybe with some numbers, the governor is going to say, you know, one or two of these bills, whether it's AB 665 or AB 1078 or whatever, maybe we could change the governor's mind or sway him on one of these awful bills. Um, but, you know, this has been the year where Sacramento has just gone to war against parents. Trying to, trying to brush parents back off the plate, and they're trying to remind you who they think is in charge, who they think controls things in your family and with your, with your child. They think they know best. 
what your child's um, social and emotional and psychological um, state should be and how to best um, raise your child, essentially, especially when it comes to matters of sexuality or gender identity confusion, which the state, and we all know that a lot of public schools, they are planting a lot of, uh, of really dangerous ideas in kids' heads, unfortunately. Very confusing. Um, obviously, it can, can lead to a situation where there could be grooming, there could be some really nefarious things happening. Um, and why else would they want to not, not tell parents? They say, oh, it's for the best interest of the, the student. You know, if the, if the child hasn't come out, so to speak, at home, well, we can't endanger that child by, by telling the parents about what's going on, either that the, the student identifies as gay or lesbian or that the student is changing their gender. We can't have the parents knowing that because obviously every parent is like a secret hidden um, abuser. I mean, it's, it's insane. You know, the, the school districts and teachers are already mandatory reporters. So if there is an allegation of abuse, that's very serious. We're all against that. If there's some kind of physical or some kind of other terrible abuse going on in the home, well, report it. It should be handled on a case-by-case basis. But until that time, we don't assume that every single parent of every single public school child in California is an abuser. That's absurd. And it's, it's anti-constitutional. It's against basic natural rights, parental rights. Um, and it's against all, all common law, as I understand it. Um, I don't know if there's, if there's a, a legal expert out there, um, shoot me a message or, or email me. I'm, I'm curious about that. But if there's a, a big body of, of law, I would imagine, and precedent out there um, that affirms parental rights and parental sovereignty when it comes to... Um, certainly educational and moral choices for their children and health choices. So um, there is that. Um, at any rate, a lot, a lot of things going on. There are a lot of things to watch. Make sure to get active locally. We've got to. We've got to um, underline and we have to augment local control. It's so important. To a certain extent, it doesn't even matter what Sacramento's trying to do. If there are 500 school districts here in the state, that are choosing to disobey Sacramento and implement their own policies and change curriculum and tweak it so that it fits for their local city or their local neighborhood, their local cultures and religions that are there in place, well then so be it, so much the better. At any rate, let's, let's get on to the rest of the show and Sonia Shaw from Chino Valley Unified. So I'm here today with a great guest. Sonia Shah is going to be joining me here. I'm really glad to, to talk with her. This is a person who is doing something, who stands for something, and is getting things done and is engaged in action um, down in Chino Valley. So let me jump right in and say thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for your time, uh, Sonia, and a warm welcome to the California Liberty Project podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on this morning. I really, truly appreciate it. Yeah, well, absolutely. I do value your time. I know that uh, as tends to happen when you're busy doing things, people are clamoring to, to speak with you. You know, if you're making a difference, your time is a hot commodity and I do appreciate it. Um, I've seen you, of course, on Fox News, talking with Trace Gallagher, some other really big shows. So thank you once again for, uh, for joining us here today. Um, so let's go ahead and jump right in. Um, I, I followed your work and some of your campaign, I believe it was probably last year 
kind of you came on my radar. A lot of great candidates, liberty candidates, people running, um, some of them unsuccessful, unfortunately. And then some of them, it's really cool to see that some came in and got elected. And so the question is always there. What happens when you have great intentions and you think I'm going to do something, then you actually get elected. And it's like, there you are. Um, the cool thing is we've seen what you've done already. Um, but tell us a little bit about that process of deciding to run and then running and then coming on board the Chino Valley uh, Unified School Board. Absolutely. Do you want the long version or the short version? Hey, we've got we've got around 40, 45 minutes. So you okay. give me whatever version you'd like to. That'd be great. Absolutely. I think I'll, I'll go back to a little bit. We'll rewind on how it even came to this point. Um, you know, when the shutdown happened, a bunch of us parents started getting together because things were starting to be revealed about the public school system that we were like, whoa, what in the world's going on? You know, little by little, um, we found out a lot of these things were being pushed down from Sacramento. Um, and, you know, we... the. Prior to this ever happening, I didn't even know what a school board was. I didn't even know that we, that's how far off I was into just normal, I don't know, I call it day to day normal people business, right? Like you go to work, you go take care of your kids. Um, you know, I take care of my father who has some um, mental and physical health elements. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and just being a wife. And sometimes we don't, know what's going on in the world other than what, you know, when it hits our living room and when the shutdown happened, it hit the living room pretty strong there for a lot of us families that yes. were not aware of what was going on. Um, so, you know, started being aware of those things. Parents started to get together. I guess that's the beauty of social media. Um, I found out quickly what a board member was and what a board <laughs> meeting was because when we had some issues, um, some of the parents said that we need to go to the board um, meetings and we need to let them know our concerns. Well, we did that. Um, I remember even the very first board meeting, I had a speech written out on a paper and there was a mom who become very, has become very close to me. Um, her name was Kelly. And we switched like our, our what do you call it? Our, our, our speeches. Huh. We're like, what do you think of this? Because we were all nervous and scared, you know? Right. And long story short, we ended up attending every single school board meeting from that shutdown time through like, uh, you know, when everybody started to be aware of things through when I got elected, I never missed a board meeting except actually recently in September when I was a, um, I chaperoned for my daughter's um, soccer team, which is my heart, my near and dear heart is always to volunteer. Um, so yeah, I, I, we quickly found out that our board majority, just like the most of the majorities here in California had no good intentions on listening to parents. Yes. We started following bills, which we didn't even know the process of how a bill becomes, you know, a law. And we started following those because we heard over and over, you need to go talk to your other elective, um, you know, officials. So we learned what assembly members do, what Senate members do, how the bills go through. And I'm talking like we had a crash course because we had to learn everything by ourselves. Right. Um, I found out what the GOP was. I found out what, you know, local government um, groups that got together were. It was, it was a lot that us parents learned, but we had a purpose, which was our, our children yes. and to make sure they had a safe, um, education and an education, not anything other than that. Right? right. We saw the perversion of, um, you know, the children and the sexualization being pushed into the classrooms. We saw the social justice issues take priority over, you know, actually teaching our kids the basics. 
Um, and when we were shut down by our school board and we were told you were the minority, blah, 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 over and over and over, we knew something had to change. We, we had to do whatever we could. And that was switching the school board. Right. It still wasn't evident at that time that I was going to run. Um, we found somebody who actually, um, became another school board member at the same time I did John, Jonathan Monroe, which Hmm. we were so excited as a parent grassroots parent group to find him. And I remember we still had one seat because our district is still in the um, transitional period to go from at large to di- like trustee areas. Mm, right. Um, so we had two seats available during that election. And I was, I, I mean, we were still actively looking for somebody, a parent, a grandparent, somebody who just wanted to listen to the community. Yes. And I went to um, what was called the state of the city event. I found out what that was. I didn't even know what that was prior to this. Um, and somebody from the local GOP, very sweet, sweet lady came up to me and said, you know what? We heard what you guys were doing. Do you have any candidates we can support? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, actually we have one. And I told her about Jonathan Monroe and she goes, well, Sonia, the the thing is, is you guys need at least one for each area. And I was like, okay, but that's not that easy to do right now. Um, Especially when you're learning how these maps work. This is so new for, you know, us here. Everything is new, but this is also new to how to learn how to do the boundaries. I went back on a Zoom with all of our moms and we had one dad. So um, on our what we called our leadership group, Mm -hmm. I'm all, which one of you guys live in this area? You're going to run and we're going to get behind you. Started tossing out addresses. No hits. It comes to mind. And I'm like, remember, I don't live in that area. Yeah. No, Sonia, give us your address. You're the last one pretty much gave the address and my backyard is on the line. So it Mm. was Shaw 2022, went upstairs, (laughs) told my husband at that time it was 1130 at night. And I'm like, babe, I got to tell you something. I gave him a kiss goodnight. And I'm like, but I got to talk to you. And he's like, it's 1130. And I'm all, I really got to talk to you, babe. Right. And he's like, what is it? And I'm like, school board running? And he was like, um, we're not on, we're not in the area. And I'm like, actually, the line's on our backyard. And he goes, well, then that's God's answer to you. And he kissed me and the rest was history. Wow. We hit the ground running. Yeah. So it was really cool that I was never focused on the campaign until it was the time, right? Right. Because I was still fighting actively for our children with other things. And with the campaign, I was still fighting for our children, but it also took a lot of your energy and time to switch from the president of an advocacy group to now a candidate for a, you know, um, an elective position. Sure. So we, the person that I actually ended up running against wasn't even, she's not even in the area I was going to run against. Um, the person that I was originally going to run against backed out because we, in my heart, I believe it's because we exposed their intentions and what they were doing and, and their bitterness towards parents. I mean, in the meetings, they would do this to us at behind the scenes because they knew the cameras wow. weren't facing them. It was awful wow. um, what parents had to deal with, but it also got that person out. But what's interesting is the person that John was going to run against about 14 or 17 days prior. I don't remember the exact moment. We got notification. She moved from one trustee area to the next, past the baton to the other person that was union endorsed to run against John, and she was going to run against me. Yes. We were up against another challenge. I mean, that was somebody who came in, and I think with the unions, our local unions' help, um, one parent counted on her, all her documents are public record. It, she spent over, a, I want to say, 140 or 150,000 to run against me. 
um, the soccer mom. Wow. So go figure how bad they wanted these seats. I mean, you had thousand. Wow. That's not even a joke. Wow. It was a hundred and twenty something of her um, money that she fundraised, and then an, an additional twenty three to thirty thousand from the local unions pack. Um, so if you add them together, there you go. I mean, she was running Fox Eleven news commercials, wow. um, sending mailers every single day. Luckily. John and I had a nice donation from somebody who has been very involved in our community, but it didn't even put us at, you know, close to even competing with the money that she had. But what I think they never took into account was we had the community support. We had parents knocking, grandparents walking, um, you know, and while they're paying walkers to go tell a message to the door, you had somebody showing up, including myself. I was walking three to six hours a day, knocking on every single door in our, you know, in our trustee area telling the real story about what we have been experiencing. And, you know, it it was a close race, but the parents showed up and we took the seat. Um, I was sworn in in December. It was a beautiful, emotional meeting. And you had every single parent show up there. It was absolutely exciting because I always say, I didn't take the seat. We did. Mm -hmm. This was everything that I promised um, to do as a parent advocate and also now as a school board member. Um, the very first meeting I was named the president of the board, which generally doesn't happen, but now I see why God had a plan. Um, you know, and here I am, I think it, what, what are we, we're in September, already ninth month. Already September. Yeah. I think besides the national headlines right now, there's so much beautiful things behind the scenes that I wish people could see, um, you know, an agenda we learned as parents because we had to read it could be up to 400, 500 pages sometimes. Right. And I feel like sometimes you only see the headliners, but what you don't actually focus on is all the beautiful things happening in our district. And I think that's the reason why we need parents to start running for these seats. So our districts can do that beautiful, normal business. Right. And we can get rid of these crazy headliners that shouldn't even be an issue. Um, but yeah, this, this kind of where we're at right now. No, it's, it's been an amazing ride. And like I say, what I, what I appreciate so much about your story is not even so much, oh, the national headlines. Cool. It's, you know, that's all great, Mm -hmm. but I think the national headlines, you know, maybe the Fox news and Trace Gallagher and all those organizations are probably recognizing that this is like a true grassroots story, right? There's no AstroTurf Mm -hmm. about this. This is really like you were involved with your group and remind me of the name of the group in Chino Valley again. What was? Um, we changed the names recently to CV Parents. CV um, Parents, but we were okay. the parent advocates of Chino Valley prior to that. Right, right. And we were kind of like a branch of. Remember, um, California Parent Association and the people that sued California to get the kids back in school. Yes, we became like one of their first advocacy groups. Um, and and back then, you've seen okay. all these just beautiful organic groups start to branch off. Oh yeah. And what's really cool as parents, I mean, you even have one, as parents, we've seen the need to all join together, right? And that's where I think we're at today. And I think that's what makes the movement so powerful right now is not because what Chino's doing, not because of what Marietta or Temecula or Orange or some of our Sacramento um, and, you know, Central California boards are doing. Mm -hmm. It's you're seeing the the fruitation of all these organic um, groups that started a few years ago, you're actually starting to see what's happening now with them just being persistent, um, you know, and, and just continuing to fight for what is right for our children. I think that's why 
this has become a national movement because it's not just Chino. It's all of us now in California yes. linked together. Yeah. And all these boards that took the majority, that's the most beautiful part. We knew parent groups needed to link together to become a wrecking force, you know, for Sacramento when they waged the war against our children. And now you see school board members that were recently elected all joining together and it's just naturally happening and, uh, you know, organically happening. And I think that's the biggest, um, the, the beautiful thing about it, the biggest um, threat that Sacramento has is we don't, we don't necessarily have to have all these crazy things to, Hey, come together. We're just all together already. We've been together for the last few years. Right, so, right. And look what pulled are. us together too. I think so much of it was like, okay, the reaction against COVID authoritarianism and yep. tyranny. And that is a worthy fight. Totally. I'm a hundred percent on board. We were involved, my wife and I, so many of us, friends, allies, colleagues mm-hmm. up and down the state, every little town, every little suburb, even big towns, big counties, yep. we all got involved. But now, like you're saying, we're seeing that natural fruition where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. the movement's kind of grown up, if you will, over the past yeah. two years. And of course, there were there have been activists for many years doing great work. But the explosion Absolutely. in the past two years where we've seen so many people kind of get activated, like you're saying, I think it's a really good point. They're now coming yeah. to fruition. We're going to see the fruits. And it's not just fighting COVID mandates and authoritarianism yeah. and get this injection and do that. Now it's going to broaden. And I think the I think the little tyrants and COVID fascists and whatnot, they awoke the sleeping giant, you know, to to yeah. uh, invoke that kind of cliche. But they shouldn't have done it because they poked the sleeping bear and we yeah. collectively kind of woke up. And I see you as a leader in yes. that movement. Um, whether or not that was your intent, I, I think you just jumped out there with your natural leadership. You heard the yeah. call, like you mentioned, and you, you told your husband like, hey, let's do this. You jumped into yeah. it, um, and and that's amazing. Yeah, because yeah, you know, I was thinking about it today. Like everybody always looks for a leader, but if you really think about it, everybody could be that leader, right? Because right. you have you have people that are just looking. Hey, well, one person say it, and then that's exactly what happened when we started going to board meetings. It was one, it was two, then it became you know fifteen, twenty, and then it just spread. Right. And I think that's the thing that we need to remember. Don't ever count on one person because that, I mean, people fail, fail each other all the time. But I think if we can show everybody can play a- and be part of something so beautiful for our children, that's where our kids will, will win, you know, because I feel like we've been training. We've actually been trained for how long um, people who were like me that weren't involved in anything political, which I don't even like to call it political. Now it's moral, right? Yeah. These are our moral things in day to day. Right. Um, we weren't involved in that, but we also trained, trained our children in a way to not even know what the constitution was. And we see how the government literally started taking over us, the people, but in reality, it should be the people, you know, um, controlling the government. Exactly. And here we are having rulers of the government being unlawful, and trying to now pass on lawful things to shut us up. And I think that's where we need to remember now. I, I, I just, I, I always want to tell parents because our group was so diverse and beautiful and unique here in Chino. And I know that's how it is everywhere else. The, don't let them divide us by a red and blue and a Christian and non-Christian. Mm-hmm. We all need to stand up for what is morally right for our children, regardless of what affiliation you may, you know, stamp on yourself. Yeah. Remember like, we have the power now, 
right now, I mean, I really in my heart feel like this is the time. If we're ever going to make change together, it's now. And we have to show our children they can take control. They are not to be submissive to the rulers and the the tyranny that is happening. They need to take back the control of what you know our founding fathers originally put in place because we've lost our ways. But I also think right now we're in a point and I call it the inflection point of where we can turn things around and we the people can finally, you know, govern again. Um we just got to withstand the battle. And That's you right. see the battle is pretty thick here, but the beautiful part you have what I call the political cartel up here, but then you have all the people joining together. And I think that is where we have the power in the change right now. Yeah, that's right. We have the numbers, right? And I think it's we a do. great point that you made. And I agree. The red versus blue thing, um, that whole paradigm, it seems almost like out of date. It seems stale. It, yeah. it seems kind of like, oh, we're yelling at Mitch McConnell versus Chuck Schumer in Washington. It's like, it's not even what's going on here. It's not the facts on the ground of the day-to-day battles that families are actually facing. You know, so much of that is almost like team sports. It's something you watch on TV versus getting involved with your city council or your school board is right there and it makes a difference to your daily life. And it is like less partisan, strangely, right? It's less like, what team are you on versus literally, what are my kids learning? You know, are my kids going to be seeing terribly inappropriate things or being having a, an agenda pushed on them. That to me is much mm-hmm. more real, tangible and day to day. Right. I think you make yeah. a really good point about getting away from the team sports aspect of this. Well, that's what they want. They want to divide us to be able to conquer us and keep us down at a certain level. But we have to remember when it comes to our kids, us as the people should have no boundaries to join together. Right. Like, it's no, it's no secret that I love Jesus and that's who I, that I ask to guide me and protect me in daily things. That's not right. a secret. They'll label me as white Christian nationalist. I've heard it all. Yeah. Um, but that's what they want. They want to call you that. I can't tell you how many times I've been called inappropriate names to try to label me so they could discredit me and quiet me down because mm-hmm. then, oh, Sonia's this. Oh, Sonia's a Nazi. Oh, Sonia's a white Christian Christian nationalist. Sonia's um, this. Sonia's a Republican. Sonia's, um, you know, I can't tell you how many names they put on me. But why do they put those labels on you? It's to try to quiet the voice. Put you in a box. Which I, yeah, but if you see organically what happened here locally, I have friends who don't believe in God or believe in a different God or... Or, you know, these are parents that I met through this process, parents that, you know, have been longtime um, Democrats, parents that are liberals. Mm -hmm. Yes, I am a Republican and I believe my morals and values align with that party. But I also believe if we can come together and realize our children are more than just a party line, then we can win this. Right. Right. Um, Because at the same token, I really feel in my heart that's what they're trying to do is divide us. Mm -hmm. Hey, all of you. Um, you know, people that are are right here, you don't want to listen to Sonia because she's this, or you don't want to listen to this leader because they're that. And it's like, don't let them do that. Right. right now, we have a huge problem. We have people in government that are doing horrific things. It's evident. I mean, you've seen it. They're trying to create new law to shut us up, yeah. right? They're trying to pass bills. Local government is where we can make the biggest change right now. Absolutely. That's exactly where we need to go. I I mean, normal day-to-day soccer moms, dads who are, you know, superintendents of a job site, anybody, grandma and grandpas, 
when you get into your city councils, you get into your school boards, that's where we make the change. That's where we've seen them get into it and make the horrific changes, right? Yeah. So now it's time we take one of these local government entities back for the people and we start listening to the people. And that's where we continue to see the change that our our California desperately needs, but so does our nation, right? Right, right. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I I see the actions of the government right now and people are so pissed and, and saddened and maddened. And I'm like, in the same token, I'm like, this is a gift. Yeah. They just literally showed you exactly who they are and what they want. And this is a gift to the regular, normal day-to-day people that had no clue because I hear it over and over. I was never involved in politics. I never got involved. I didn't know what this was. I didn't know what that was. Stories like mine, stories like, you know, so many others. And now you're hearing them. I can't believe they said that. I can't believe we're dropping our kids off and they want to keep secrets from us. Like things that you would never think of, right? Yes. Are finally coming out of these vile political cartels mouths and it's finally hitting the people. And I think that, I think it, Again, I think it's beautiful to see the people start to come together for our kids. We have yes something in history that is going to teach our kids more than what they probably learned in the classroom recently. Um, so yeah, I think it's great. And, and this is the moment, I think, in my opinion, for this fight. And I mean metaphorical yeah. fight. Nobody wants, of course, violence or anything like that. But no. for the struggle. And what is the struggle? To me, I put it very simply as the state coming between the parent and the child. Nothing could be yep. more fundamental to a healthy society, in my opinion, than parents loving and raising their children and the school district working for the parent and child, supporting that relationship. When that state comes in as a cleaver or a wedge in between parent and child, um, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You've been working on this. Yeah. You fought for this. But that is the most dangerous thing we can have. The state, a yep. state agent, a government employee, a teacher... Now, there are many good teachers out there, but Absolutely. there's still a state employee basically telling your kid, Shh, don't tell your parents, don't tell them about this, I'm going to keep your secret. It's completely inappropriate. There's nothing that goes on in that child's life that should be kept from a parent, period. And if there is allegedly a case of abuse or some terrible situation, you know, a crime committed against a child, those should be handled mm-hmm. on an individual basis obviously. I mean, nothing could be more fundamental, right, Sonia? And I know you're you're working on this. You already know this. Um, let me ask you, when you got to the, the Chino Valley uh, USD, when you came on the board, you became president, all of a sudden you're holding that baton. Um, yeah. Was one of the first things you were thinking about doing is going and taking action on the parental notification policy? Or did you have like 10 different uh, policies you were looking at? Or how'd you get involved with the parental notification fight specifically? I think that's a a good, um, that's a good start. Let's, uh, okay. So when I came in, I knew a lot of things needed to change. I knew from hearing parents over and over their kid was being bullied and, um, you know, or the bullier and the parent on either side never found out until it was too late. Either the kid was beating up somebody or somebody got beat up, right? right. I heard that at the door multiple times. Why, why is there a record? And I was never notified. I could have intervened. I'm the parent either to protect my child or to discipline my child from doing what they were doing, right? Sure. Heard that over and over. 
suicidal things, especially with the big push to push kids into these counselors' offices. And mind you, we have tons of great counselors. Mm -hmm. But if you notice, our Department of Ed is really pushing to get these things done in there. And you'll see it through the funding that during COVID, they pushed wellness centers into a lot of our school sites. And and I'm going to stand by what I say. These wellness centers back in 2020, 2021, 2022, you'll see a lot of these um, in in different counties, like LA County especially, you'll see them switch them from wellness centers to clinics, right? Right. And then you also saw that recently in our county of San Bernardino schools, not San Bernardino County like us, you know, that in Chino that lives in Mm -hmm. um, that is in the San Bernardino County, but the San Bernardino County schools, you just seen them recently approve clinics on campuses. So I'm thinking over here, they already have a bigger plan. There's a big push for community schools. They're going to package it up as the whole family. um, We're going to do this, this, and this to your child, right? Right. Well, school already provides meals. So stop acting like, you know, we don't provide meals. That's a great thing because I was one of those child that children um, back in the day that used to rely on school to give me a hot meal because we didn't have food at one part of my childhood. Um, My mom was selling our food stamps to buy, you know, drugs. Hmm. But they're packaging it up. And then you'll see when I was in DC, I heard something very, along with other school board members, it was at a CSBA thing for, um, it was in DC and, you know, Becerra, we all know who he Mm -hmm. is. He literally told all of us board members, horrifying, let me in. I have money. Let's get these clinics on campuses. Mm. Why? It's already showing you they have a plan, right? right? So when I came into office, it was so many things that I knew I had to tackle. Now the parental notification was on my radar, but here's where it finally came to fruitation. Following the bills, I told you I started following bills a few years ago when COVID hit because we kept hearing our school board say, it's the law, it's a bill. You guys have to fight the bills or whatever, right? Right. Um, I saw a bill come through by Bill Selly, an assemblyman newly elected, and it was about the notification of one of those things. And it was um, about if a child wants to change its gender, be called by another gender's name, or use a facility not of, you know, the sex that it was born, or... um, if they wanted to join a team, right? Right. And I'm like, finally a bill that makes sense, right? Bringing the parents back in the picture because Sacramento did wage a war against parents and they're trying to break the family unit up. It's a parent. Look at all the bills they're proposing. Even with adopted parents, which we know is a broken system. Mm -hmm. I was in the adoption um, in in a foster home at one point. It's awful. I'm not saying all homes are awful, but with the bills right now on the table, they're also weakening the good foster parents right now. I mean, it's it's absolutely horrifying. And in CPS, we all know is a broken system too. I mean, maybe there's good people in there with good intentions, but you also have kids being put back into really dangerous homes, right? And you see right. horrible stories with that. So I'm like, why aren't you guys focusing on fixing these things instead of breaking them up, you know, further? So when Bill came out with that, I was like, we have to get behind this bill. Mm-hmm. We used to ask our school board when we saw horrible bills come through. Can you guys write a resolution? Because we learned you have to write support letters, not only as parents, not only as groups, but as school districts to really get these elective officials to really think about, hey, this is what the community is asking for, or at least give them the opportunity. Yeah. So I brought it forward to our school board to vote on, to send, it was a resolution to send a letter through the process of this bill saying, we Chino Valley support parental notification. And that night we were voting on it. It passed four to one. 
But what Bill came to our meeting and he told us, guys, they didn't even let it go through the process. They didn't let it go through the hearing. It failed. But he said one thing after that, you can make your own policy. Mm. And I'm like, wait, what? Mm. If we can make our own policy, yes, I would love to send a support letter, but why are we wasting our time? We're going to, I'm going to bring a policy forward. The great thing about that is a bunch of different leaders from different organizations came together and we formed a coalition. And um, I I think I was the only school board member, if I remember correctly. No, we had one other one in Orange, um, our our county of Orange Mm -hmm. um, on there too. So we all worked so hard to bring something alongside some really amazing attorneys in the process. I have a an agreement with our superintendent. It's called a no secrets, no surprises thing. You know, being a parent before, it was always frustrating. We would be surprised in the back of the agenda, hidden junk that we didn't like. Yeah, yeah. So as a school board member, him and I shook pretty much to say, anything I'm gonna bring forward, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to work on it so there, you know, you can have your staff on board. I mean, I, I'm a very transparent person. You'll learn that really quick. Yeah. I don't, it just, you know, when you tell the truth, it's easy. So I told him, I'm going to bring a policy forward that Bill was do- working on. And right away, he went to our district attorneys and they said, oh, no, 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 it's illegal, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, cool. Let me know what law I'm breaking if I bring it forward. Yeah. Four weeks pass, no law can be brought forward. They cannot cite one law that a parental notification would be breaking sure. the law, right? Yeah. And finally, he says to me, Mrs. Shaw, you're right. There is no particular law. And I'm like, ding, ding, ding. We knew that, but okay, I'm glad you're on board now. Right. And I said, it's time to bring the policy forward. It's ready. Yes. And we brought it forward. I like transparency. I knew this was a controversial issue. Um, And I know people don't really necessarily read the policy. Till this day, I still say, I hear things like, oh, you're outing somebody. Well, let's go back to the policy. The policy says when a child's ready to be called something other than what they were born as with their peers and their teacher, which they're coming out, if you ask me at that point, right. then we notify the parent. So right. I don't I don't call this an outing policy. I call this a parental notification policy. Hey, we already know schools have been programmed to keep secrets, but us as parents are not, as the school district, are not going to keep secrets from the parents. That's my heart and soul into this. And you need all the medical records. You need all of, you need any psychological or counseling records, of course, as the caretaker. Absolutely. Right. So I brought it forward for a first reading in June and I gave the community an opportunity to voice their concerns for the next four weeks until we brought it for a vote, which it did pass four to one. Um, And then it just blew up from there. But I do want to say this, with all the arguments from the political cartel right now, I still have a a question I want them to answer. A parent has the right as it stands to pull their records of their student at any time. The parent has a right in the upbringing of their child. A parent has the right to enter into a classroom at any time they want, right? right? It's not COVID. We didn't shut parents out right now. They can go into a classroom. So what's going to happen if that parent goes into the classroom or goes to see their child receive an award and they hear another name being called to their child at that moment. Why? Why does it have to be notified through that process? That's weird. Mm -hmm. That is, or are they planning on telling the teacher to tell the students when parents come in, guys, we don't call nicknames. We go back to calling your real name because parents are coming. Like, I want to know where their common sense is in any of this. And you'll also hear that 
children who are trying to change their um, their their gender or who are transgender, um, Bonta will say that they are discriminated against more than um, any other student. They're harassed. Okay, so I want to go back and I'm still asking him this question and I haven't gotten an answer. You have a claim, a discrimination claim as a district. You have a Title IX claim. According to the law, guess what one of the first things we have to do when a district gets those kinds of claims? Who do we have to notify? The parent or the guardian. Is it going to change the law on that too? And he keeps citing student privacy laws and guidelines. Well, guess what? Let's remember why those guidelines and laws were put in place. It was put in place from third-party government like Bonta and the cartel and other third parties, never the parents. So he's trying to cite and enforce new law. Well, let it go through the proper process. Tell the people you're going to push through a law that takes the parents out. Because I guarantee you, all these parents that couldn't homeschool before, all these parents that um, didn't know before, you're going to see a rapid decline in public education. You already are seeing the decline. Yes. People like you and me, we're trying to save public education because there is children like how I was as a child that needed public education because my dad came from another country and my mom was too far gone on drugs to take care of us. So we as students relied on being educated by the public because my parents had no other access, right? And there's still students in situations like that or other situations that need the public school system. For me, those are the kids that I'm fighting for because I know my kids are going to be okay because they have a good foundation yes, at home. Right, right. But I still believe we need to stand up and protect all the students because I feel like the government is abusing and using these children and they are the most vulnerable. And that's where I'm like, I'm done. You're not, you're, you're not without a fight. I'm not going to sit here and, and throw my hands up in the air. You could threaten my life. You can come and arrest me. You could, you could call me names all day long. If I stand in front of you from hurting a child, then I've done what I, I needed to do here. Right. Yeah. And fundamentally, parents never gave up their rights to, no. to emotional and social care and medical care when they place their children inside the doors of a public school. We never gave up that right. And that's how rights work in the United States of America. I know this. You know this. We didn't give it to the government, so the government doesn't get it. So therefore, it's funny when they invert it and they pretend that they look at us with side eye. They look at us, the parents, as suspect. Like, well, yeah. we have to make sure that you're caring for your kid. And of course, people like us, I think common sense people, dare I say, turn the eye back and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who are you that wants to counsel my kid about like Susie becoming Bobby? And that's creepy. We want to protect our kids from you. So stand back, you know, but move it on back. We never gave up that right. Uh, it's so common sense. But the fact that we have to have this battle, this struggle is that says a lot, I think, about um, the state of our society in 2023. So, Sonia, let me know if you can or cannot comment on this, but as far as the upcoming litigation um, that we've mm -hmm. heard a lot or a little bit about, depending on where we are in the state or even nationally, um, what does that lawsuit look like and what, is that, what does that entail uh, for Chino Valley uh, USD? Again, if you can comment on that. Yeah, I'll comment on what I'm, what I'm able to comment okay. on. Um, of course, when you, you know, they open litigation, there is stuff I cannot say. Right. Um, but I will say this. Um, I believe in my heart that they want to keep it here locally to control it here locally because they don't want it to go to the federal government 
We all know that takes time and they're not going to get the answer that they want. And here's why I think that they're doing that. This Wednesday, we actually have the a hearing. They asked for the judge to grant a restraining order on our district, hmm. pretty much to stop the implementation of the policy that's already had great outcomes since we've implemented it in this school year. They're trying to stop it. Hmm. So we'll hear tomorrow what happens. Now, I will say this. As much as they want to fight parents, I am so grateful for the parents that are fighting back. I've actually heard directly from parents here in Chino Valley that they are going to push back on Bonta and his um, request to put a restraining order and say, no, you're imposing on our rights and that's not right. Right. Um, So I think it's going to be a war. Um, I'm hoping that the judge makes the right decision and I'm hopeful he will because that's what judges do, right? So I, I'm I'm grateful that tomorrow we have this opportunity for the judge prayfully to say there's nothing that they're doing wrong because you've seen other districts you've seen that one parent she got a hundred thousand dollars or something for them socially right. transitioning her child right okay add that towards the chil- the the children in other districts imagine that liability right yeah. so they're already saying with local different kind of judgments at the local level. It wasn't in our in our um, legal district, yes. but still, you already see this starting to happen. Meaning, it's already being decided that the parents shouldn't be have exited out. Now, yes. I will say there was one that the, supposedly that you know the crazy people who want control of our kids used in they try to use it in their benefit, and that was in I think Chico. Hmm. But if you actually looked at the judgment when I asked for a breakdown of it, it actually said. Legally, at that level, the judge was not going to require the districts to notify or require the districts to not. It was up to the districts to decide if they wanted to notify or not. That's kind of how I read the judgment. I may have been wrong, but that's what I read. And that's what I've had other attorneys explain to me. So you already see other court cases already to determine pretty much we were in the right, right? Right. There was nothing legally that we're breaking. So to me, I'm hopeful for tomorrow. Yeah. If that happens tomorrow, I think the next court date that I'm hearing is going to be in February, which we know that the state will probably at that point end up challenging because they're going to be upset either way. Um, and we're going to challenge it. As long as you have the majority that you have right now at a Chino Valley, I believe in my heart, we're all going to stand firm. I could speak on myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stand firm. And as the president of the board, I'm going to push for us to be able to stand firm um, on parental rights. So you don't see us giving up and I don't see them giving up that easy. So here we are. What What is really cool is no district wants to spend any of the, our child's education money. We all know that our staff has to work so hard to obtain any of it, right? Um, but I think what the biggest blessing is, is you have nonprofits available to take the case. So sure. it's just a matter of time before that happens. And this probably will end up, I mean, if, if this is the way that I see it going right now with the resistance and also the challenge to the resistance, um, we probably will end up in the Supreme court. I I, I can't see it not right. Because we're not going to give up. Yeah. They're not going to give up. They did. I I don't know if you guys caught this when Newsom did his press release about what was it? Four weeks ago. I think he said he was meeting with legislation legislators to see if he can come up with a bill to make something like this notification policy illegal. Yes. Well, right. we all knew with two weeks or three weeks in, into the um, legislation um, session ending, mm-hmm. 
he can never push a bill that quickly. So I will say this next year when they open back up again, they're probably going to try to make it a law. Yes. But that's when parents need to challenge and stand firm and they need to let their local elective officials, their assemblymen and their senates know if they do that, they're out. Yep. They're going to vote them out. Like that's, this is the line I think that we all stand on. We dig our feet in and we don't move. We don't budge and we don't, um, we don't compromise. These are our kids. We don't give the kid, our kids to the state. Correct. We are allowing the state to educate our kids. And we need to remember that is a gift to the state to be able to have that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's when the people will start to win is when we start to do that. And I already see it starting. So. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's a really good point. I've always held that one of the cures to this insanity, whether it's um, transing the kids, whether it's uh, indoctrinating the children, you know, causing potential emotional and social social harm to the child, to the student. One of the big antidotes to this, one of the cards that we have that we're holding in our hand, is going to be litigation. And I, I'm not one of these people that says sue, 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 sue. You know, that's not the, that is not what I want to do. We don't want to empower lawyers and make them a lot of money. However, I think that this is a powerful tool. I mean, you brought it up. I fully agree. There needs to be litigation all over the place. Litigation for people who, who were, you know, told as a 15, 16, 17 year old boy or girl to have this irreversible surgery, this damaging surgery, litigation for, for people who were groomed and who were either abused were propagandized and had emotional and and psychosocial harm, Uh, just litigation all over the place. It needs to be a little bit of a brushback, in my opinion, to some of these, um, whatever you want to call it, some administrators, teachers, government employees who are trying to to get involved with your kid and trying to subvert your kid. Um, That's that's one card I think that we hold and we need to, to play. Let me ask you really quick, Obviously, Florida has, you know, Ron DeSantis put through the so-called don't say gay bill. Everyone knows it, mm-hmm. it, it's not illegal to say gay. It's certainly not illegal to teach about human sexuality to high school students in Florida. It was basically just for third, second, first grade, you know, for the young elementary school children. You can't talk about uh, sexuality, gender identity and such. Um, are there any plans? Is that something that could be implemented at a local school board or school district level, uh, Sonia, or is that something that would be better at Sacramento? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Could Chino Valley look at a policy like that where, where teachers are not allowed to talk about sexual identity to elementary school kids? You absolutely can. But what we're seeing right now is not only laws that have went through that are now requiring certain things, but with the AB 1078 you see mm. on the table right now yeah. that looks like it's probably going to pass, that's going to take school board's ability that they've had for decades to determine what is age appropriate in the classroom away. Yep. So when okay. you have people like Tony Thurman and you look at their Department of Education um, website and you see what they're pushing, I have no doubt in my mind me personally, I believe he's going to be pushing it younger and younger because you even saw Newsom and his first partner, um, wife, get up and say, we need to teach kids at the youngest age. So they already are planning on bringing stuff that is inappropriate to kids at a young age. Listen to their own words, yeah. right? Yeah. And then with AB 1078 and Tony Thurman sponsoring it, our Department of Ed, what does that tell you? 
that tells you no matter what, if Sonia Shaw or or John Monroe or you know any of our board members brought something forward to be stating on the outward that we are not going to show kids, you know, this grade through this grade inappropriate material because it's not age appropriate. They now are trying to pass a law to say, nope, you're breaking the law now, Sonia. You're breaking the law now, John Monroe. You're breaking the law, Temecula. You're breaking the law, Marietta, right? So that's where I think people need to be aware. Us at the local level, we came in to do a job and the job is being done. But what they're doing now, and I hope people realize, is they're trying to now control at the higher levels what we do here locally. And I think unless we start switching some of those seats in the Senate and the Assembly, we're going to have a really tough time pushing back because they are making it law. Whether I believe the law is lawful, they are still making it a law, which ties our hands, right? Because no one wants to go and say, I'm breaking the law as much as we want to there's severe consequences for that. And we know just with us even being lawful, look what they're doing to us, right? So imagine being unlawful, what they would do to us. They would probably put me in handcuffs tomorrow and take everything away that, you know, my family has worked hard for. Um, So I just think people should be really aware of what's going on now because it's a big challenge for us local school boards to do things like that. Although we want to, and we are, and our staff, oh my gosh, some of your districts, I could speak for ours personally, have amazing staff members. Sure. Two of our high schools, we just we just um, tested, I think, ta- in the top 12% in United States. Mm. Imagine if we didn't have the requirement, the requirements that California pushes on our staff to, to totally water down education, we could be in the top five, right? Yeah. So you know that there's people working super hard right now that don't want all these things you know, that they're, they're pushing them to teach. Sure. Yeah. There's actual, um, there's really important stuff. How about civics learning about the constitution? How about arithmetic? How about pre-calculus in high school? There's really important stuff to teach about without going into all of this. They call it cultural stuff. Yeah. Just ideology, uh, indoctrination and whatnot. Um, keep those out of the classroom, just like they want religion out of the classroom. That's that in fairness, We'll call that an ideology, according to them, sure. right? Keep it out of the keep their ideologies out of the classroom because I really believe this has become their religion. Yeah, they they serve this as their god, and it's like keep it out. I don't want we don't want it around our kids. Well, that's We're right. asking you to that's right. Reading, writing, math. One of the things that's that it. I'd I'd love to see, um, and, and I know it's obviously controversial, but basically take any book, any stand-in book like Gender Queer, one of these really disgusting quasi pornographic oh, yeah. books that are in some. Uh, middle school libraries. Not all. I'm not sure how many, but there are others like it. I mean, gender queer is just one that people became aware of, right? So how about if we at least put the Bible in as many schools, in as many school libraries as gender queer, or just substitute out gender queer, one of those disgusting books, um, that prurient material, substitute that out and put the Bible in and then see what the so-called left or the progressives say. I want to try that experiment. Could the Bible at least be on equal footing as genderqueer in their idea, in, in their mind? Um, is, is that something that can be done? Because I honestly think that they would say, well, you can't have a Bible in a school library. That's that's indoctrination. I, they would say it without irony or without that sense of irony, right? Um, it's yeah. it's almost where we've gotten to in, in this. Some libraries do have them because they have all religious books, but it's very few. Um, yeah. But you mentioned something about books. There's um, someone who is near and dear that puts her life 
to trying to get appropriate books in there. And it, if you guys go to Instagram on the Kitchen um, Table Activist, mm-hmm. they actually ha- are launching or launched a website. I think they launched it already. And it has different breakdowns of schools in California and what inappropriate books that they have. And we're not talking about you know books that you and I read in high school. Right. We're talking about very, very inappropriate books, um, very detailed sexual books that should not be in a classroom. Right. Um, so I, I would, I would really encourage parents to start getting involved in those things and seeing what your kid has access to through public schooling. I mean, you need to be aware because they have so many different resources that you probably would be very, very concerned about if you knew what was in there. Yeah. And, um, I, I think too, for my personal opinion is there's a big difference between what's available in high school, reading great works of literature or even controversial works of literature. I'm all for that. Um, those young people who are 16, 17, 18 should be exposed to all that. They should be able to wrestle through those ideas. I think there's that big difference between what's taught in high school again, and then middle school, junior highs around the state and then elementary school. I mean, come on, there's gotta be a big, a big difference there. Um, let me ask you maybe as we kind of wind down on our time, Sonia, any advice that you might have for, for parents or citizen activists listening to this who are kind of like you know, I wasn't even super political or this or that, but I'm seeing what's happening. This is insanity. How can I get involved? Should that person run for office? Should they support others? I mean, any advice you have because you've run the full the full journey and, you know, you're you're achieving success, i.e. you're doing something. It's not electing Republicans. It's not like when we do elect Republicans to, to Congress and they go and they have these great promises, then they go spend as much as Democrats. On the local level, when we elect someone like Sonia Shaw or others, they get in, they can do something. Um, so mm-hmm. based on your journey over the past year or two, do you have any kind of last parting words of advice for listeners to this yeah. podcast? Absolutely. I would say get involved first. Um, everyone always says, I don't know what my school board's about. Start attending. I know it's hard. I know we have lives that are very consuming, especially if you have kids, you know, in extracurricular activities, which us parents usually always, um, encourage whether it's sports or it's music or arts, you know, um, we, we definitely need to get involved. Um, usually school boards meet once or twice a month, ask questions, see at, go look at the curriculum. You know, the curriculum is, this is where you need to be careful though, because you have the framework, which is available for everybody to view. But you also need to be aware of what's going in the child's classroom because then you have what I call the meat and potatoes that people are bringing in that isn't in the framework. But be aware, be active, go look at those things, right? Listen to your school board. You see other school boards pass resolutions that you want, you have the right to go ask them, can you bring this forward? See what they say. Even if you only have one or two school board members on there that you think are for parent rights and for appropriate materials being in the classroom, meet with them. Talk to them, send them emails, ask them to bring stuff forward that you are concerned about and then put the rest on record. Because when that happens, you'll start to see parents come together, right? You'll start to see your circle. You'll start to see who is involved. And from that point, you guys start working together. Right now is a beautiful time to work together because you have other communities that have had these organic parent groups for the last three to four years Mm -hmm. that are willing and giving resources and giving help and reaching out to say, hey, you guys are new. You don't have a parent group. Let's meet with you. Let's call. Let's talk to each other. Start doing that. Even if it's just one or two of you together, I think that's where you start 
And then from there you start growing, right? Right. And then you will make the change because like I said, we've seen them take over our city councils. We've seen them take over our school boards. But in order to reveal those bad people with bad intentions, you have to get involved. You have to attend meetings. You have to ask questions. You have to see where their heart is. And once you see that, that's where the beauty starts because you may have a school board that just needs the encouragement from their community to do the bold and courageous things, right? Sure. Or you may have a school board that is completely, uh, you know, aligns themselves with the political cartel. And that's when you have the opportunity to align yourself with the community and get those people out. So I think get involved, ask questions, send people, you know, messages. I, I, I try to respond to as many messages as I can, but I also like to refer people to the local parent groups that I know that have been so successful at getting people together so we can give everybody the tools that they need. Right. Well, that is a great answer. And um, with that, I mean, I want to once again, thank you for your Spine. Absolutely. Thank you for using a spine. We appreciate that, an elected uh, school board official. Um, and seriously, for your courage. And I think, you know, it's like that old thing, you know, at a concert, the first person that gets up to dance maybe kind of looks like a weirdo. The second person that gets up and starts dancing, you know, kind of validates the trend. And then by the end, everyone's found the courage to get up and start dancing. I think as uh, Dan Bongino and others have talked about. But um, yes. we appreciate your leadership. And your courageousness, and it takes courage. Sometimes it can be contagious. We hope so. So keep up yeah. the great work and keep Thanks. us surprised of what you're doing. We'll be following you um, and all the great work you're doing. And um, last thing before we go, where can people go to follow and to get updates from you, uh, Sonia? Right now, I am horrible at social media, but okay. I'm trying to remain a little bit more active. Um, I just changed my account to Sonia, S-O-N-J-A, Shaw, S-H-A-W, 2026. It used to be my 2022 account, but because I um, I was recently um, loved by our lo- our CTA, they sent out a newsletter and it had my name in it. And there's also been word, not in that newsletter, that they're going to initiate a recall with the local group that's been against us here in Chino. Hmm. Um, I had to activate my 2026 account to try to secure the position so parents have a voice. So Sonia Shaw, 2026 on Instagram. Just give me a little bit of grace when it comes to responding. I am trying my hardest. Um, but yeah, they can find me there. Or if they're local um, uh, community members to Chino Valley, they can always email me on my district uh, email. And you can get that from our district website at Chino Valley um, Unified School District. So perfect. either one of those, just reach out to me. Um, I'm more than willing to try to get somebody an answer if they need help. Awesome. Well, with that, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it, Sonia. And um, all the best as you move forward. Godspeed to you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sonia. This has been the California Liberty Project Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, share it with others, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter.